How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Folks, when you consider that for decades uh, there has been a fighting and battle for equality on so many different fronts, uh, we were led to believe that integration is good and segregation is bad. But maybe not so fast. We find out that the Evanstown Township High School uh, embarked upon a project to see whether or not there was an upside to having segregated classes. And Professor Mark Perry, emeritus at the University of Michigan and senior fellow at Do Do No Harm, um, got wind of it, started looking at it, and filed some lawsuits because he didn't think that that was... um, the right thing to do under the Constitution either, and he's here to explain exactly what was going on and what's in the minds of Evanston School Board. Mark, welcome to the show. Yeah, hello, Newell. Yeah, happy to be on to talk to you today. So, Mark, I didn't know if you heard what I said in the opening. I said, you know, after decades of fighting for equality on so many different fronts, we were led to believe that integration is good and segregation is bad, uh, but that may no longer be the case. You know, we really have gone backwards uh, in the wrong direction on this. You know, we've come a long way from Martin Luther King and colorblind society to color conscious everything and race being a factor in everything. And so it's really it's been disappointing. And, you know, that's why, you know, I've spent um, the last five years challenging illegal discrimination in higher education and K through 12 for both race based discrimination and sex based discrimination and I've filed more Title IX and Title VI complaints than anybody in the history of civil rights. I'm up to almost 900 complaints because uh, race-based discrimination and sex-based discrimination is just so widespread and systemic throughout all of our education system that I really have taken the position to I want to uh, confront that and hold these schools accountable. They're legally obligated to enforce Title IX and Title VI, and yet they openly and, you know, uh, violate federal civil rights laws and with impunity up until now. So I'm taking the lead on bringing challenges. Mark, what are they saying that that even attempts to justify what they're doing here? A lot of the classes that they and why don't we set that up first with what you found as it relates to policy initially. And then you started writing letters and they tried to modify it to make it better. I don't know that they actually did. But uh, if you would uh, explain that uh, for our listening audience. Yeah, this is the Evanston Township High School District just north of Chicago. And, you know, they've kind of known as being very progressive and very woke and very leftist. So their high school 
at least a year or two ago, was um, having certain math classes segregated on the basis of race. And so, for example, they had a pre-calculus class, and their course schedule is online, so it's easy to kind of see what they're doing and and detect their changes. So they originally had a pre-calculus course that said, this course is restricted to students who identify as black male students. So it was discrimination on the basis of race and discrimination on the basis of sex. So then I and then the other courses said something similar. They were either restricted to black students or to Latinx or Latinx students. And there was five or six math classes, algebra, pre-calculus, calculus, that were restricted on the basis of race and ethnicity and in one case on the basis of sex. And so I found out and, you know, I'm kind of an expert at this. So I immediately filed a, a Title IX and Title VI complaint with the Office for Civil Rights in Chicago. And then, you know, they kind of take their time evaluating and then investigating and resolving a complaint. So I knew that that was probably going to be a one or two year process. So what I have done often is I'll send, I'll file the complaint so it's on record and it gets docketed by OCR, Office for Civil Rights. And then I'll send a courtesy copy because I'm such a courteous guy, I'll send a courtesy copy, in this case, to the entire school board and all of the math teachers in Evanston Township High School. And within 24 hours, they reacted. I suppose they kind of got afraid. They knew they got caught red-handed. They might have you know, consulted with their lawyers. And by the next day, within 24 hours, they, they changed the requirement, and they said, while open to all students, this optional section of the course is intended to support students who identify as black. So they tried to make it kind of pretend that it was open, although most students would see that if they were white or Asian and figure, well, I'll just register for a different section. And then even more recently, when I just checked the other day after the Wall Street Journal uh, came out and had an article about this, they now say something different. They say um, this course, it's like an algebra course, and they'll say, this course will emphasize examples that some individuals in the black community identify as shared experiences. So I think they still are trying to make it seem like it could be open to anybody, but they're certainly targeting it to black students. They say the same thing for other course sections that say this course will emphasize examples that some individuals in the Latinx or Latinx community identify as shared experiences. So. They're still so, trying to race, racially segregate, but now it might not really technically be illegal. So that's a pretty vague term. So is is there a shared cultural or social experience that they have by virtue of their skin color or, or by 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 virtue uh, uh, of anything else that that you can see relative to algebra or calculus? Yeah, that's right. I mean, they do have some courses there. I noticed on like black history or Chicago's history, and maybe it could make some sense then. But yeah, this is just basic algebra, basic pre-calculus and calculus courses that I don't know how that would have anything to do with the shared experience as a black student or as a Hispanic student. So it's again, it's just kind of hard to understand exactly what they're what they're trying to do here other than still segregate classes based on race and ethnicity, but kind of pretend that it's harmless or innocent or they're really trying to help the students. So I don't know exactly what their thinking is on this, but at least they've 
kind of corrected. It would be hard to challenge this now legally because they kind of say, well, it's open to everybody, but we're going to focus on shared experiences for the black students or Latinx students. But I, but, I guess what's mystifying and concerning for me, and if I may be so bold to suggest for you as well, how do we get to this point that we think that, uh, as one administrator put, a lot of times within our education system, black students are expected to conform to a white standard. What, what, yeah, what is the white? What is the white standard? I mean, it's a you get an A, a B, a C, a D, or an F. I mean, that was that a standard that was white only? I mean, there's a different grade standard for the others. I don't understand. No, and especially it makes even less sense than any other subject to have this apply to math classes where, you know, you're just learning algebra and, and equations and calculus and doing integral integrals and taking derivatives. So that has nothing to do with race and would actually be the foundation if somebody wanted to go into engineering, mechanical engineering, civil engineering, electrical engineering, and use this as a basis to build bridges or build electrical systems or build buildings. So um, this whole idea, again, we've become so focused on race that it's penetrated throughout the entire education system, higher ed and K through 12. And this is just one example of many of what's going on in today's world. So what if you live in a school district that's uh, predominantly a minority? Would that hold true for the whites? that you could have these affinity classes or you could have these classes that are only available to white students? Well, it's kind of always a double standard that um, they would never provide special accommodations for whites and or Asian students, but they provide special accommodations for blacks and Hispanics and Native American and Pacific Islanders. So there's some races and ethnicities that are in the preferred group today and some that are in the not so preferred group. And so it's really a double standard with different treatment depending on your, you know, immutable characteristics like your skin color and race and ethnicity. And what's even worse is that I noticed um, in some of the lawsuits that you filed, some of the classes were actually AP classes. So these were high-performing students no matter what their race or ethnicity or, or otherwise, right? Yeah, that's right. And so um, – some of these classes were AP classes, which then gives them, if they score a certain at a certain level, they get college credit or something, I guess, is how it works with AP classes. Yeah. Um, so it's just all based on this some kind of silly notion, I guess, that black students can do best if they're only in classes with black students. But then we're going back to segregation, and that would be a position that the KKK would support, to have the black students separated from the white students. So we've really come full circle back to this kind of, you know, Jim Crow kind of uh, approach to dealing with racial disparities um, and being very conscious about skin color and race and ethnicity in a way that we weren't 10 years ago. But how does this prepare you for life? Because it, it, as a black person or Latinx or whatever, I'm, I'm half Hispanic. Uh, my experience in life is that I've dealt with company executives and this and that, very few of which who's actually been Hispanic. Um, you know, I've got to interact with peers, very few that actually have been Hispanic. Um, how, how does that help you if, if your only learning experience is of like kind? 
Yeah, you know, it's really confounding. And I think about this and how everybody's talking about diversity and equity and inclusion, but then we do the exact opposite. We have uniformity and, you know, exclusion. And so even at the college level, then the black students want their own dorms. They want their own graduation ceremonies. They want their own welcome events. And so, again, it's really kind of going backwards to having everything be so race conscious instead of race neutral or to be colorblind instead of color conscious. And so it's really taking a step backward. And so I think we're really gone off in the wrong direction on this. And, and again, it's through K through 12 higher education. And as you point out, I mean, if you graduate from high school and then go to college and then get out into the business world, you're going to be dealing with people of all different races and ethnicities and men and women. And so the idea that you would segregate to somehow prepare you for success later in life, that just doesn't make sense to me and to most people. And I think most people, when they find out about this, are really upset. I mean, there was a huge reaction against this once this went public and Dan Proft had it on his radio show in in Chicago, and people really reacted strongly against this type of racial segregation in in a local high school in Chicago. There was a member of uh, the board, and I was trying to find um, the quote, but basically said that as a black student, you had to give up part of being black if you were in a mixed race environment. And it and it seems as though nobody ever challenges them as to what what does that mean that you have to <laughs> give up you have, to. <laughs> you have to give up being black a part of being black um, you know in 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 order to achieve and 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 all of this the overarching thing was was outcomes right I mean that uh, the white students had had been outperforming the black and Latin students and. They they were trying to see what what they could do to close that gap. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's ever you're going to have some. I had high performing black students in my high, high school that outperformed me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, I I don't understand why it is that they think. I, I think it's kind of um, disrespectful to all other blacks, you know, when you're making these statements as though they can't outperform whites or Hispanic students. Well, yeah, it should be treated as an insult to blacks that they that the assumption is, oh, we think that they need extra help that other students don't need or they need some kind of special preferences or privileges. But then that's really kind of an insult to them that they can't compete without these special preferences. And so. I think there should be a reaction, and there is some reaction uh, in the black community to, you know, to kind of fight back against these special preferences. You know, we went from segregation 50, 60 years ago to then integration, and it's like now we're going back to segregation. So it's just really, I think, a step backwards, and I'm really disappointed in the country and higher education and K through 12 that we're really having to even talk about this. What has been the uh the reaction of black students at this school and and Latin students at this school relative to this? Well, that would be a good, good question. And, um, and there's, it'd be interesting to see how, what they think about it. Um, I don't think that they've ever addressed that in any of these news reports about it. Um, I know that there was a group of concerned parents who contacted me and they filed a Freedom of Information Act request to the uh, Evanston Township High School 
they wanted to get a course breakdown for these classes that are kind of, you know, supposed to be for black or Latinx students. They wanted to file a, well, they did file a Freedom of Information Act request to see what percentage of those classes actually were black or Latinx or how many white students or Asian students were in those sections. But Evanston Township uh, High School said that either they didn't have the data or they wouldn't provide them with the data. So that's where we were trying to see, you know, if it's all black students in the black sections or some mix of black and Hispanic and white and Asian students. But we weren't able to get that those data or those records from Evanston Township. So we're still working on that to see if we can figure that out. So where is your lawsuit now? Uh, Where is the state of the lawsuit? Yeah, well, it's actually not a lawsuit, but it's considered a, an administrative complaint, and it, it right. doesn't have a plaintiff with legal standing. So I'm filing it on behalf as a general complaint with the Office for Civil Rights, so it doesn't have to have a – you don't need a lawyer. It's not a lawsuit. Right. It's not a court of law. So I filed that back on April 30th, 2023, and then um, it's going through the evaluation process at the Chicago Office for Civil Rights. It takes them – often a really long time. I don't know what stage it's at. It's at some stage of evaluation where then at some point they have to say, we're going to open this complaint for investigation because there's enough evidence there, or we're going to close this or dismiss this complaint because of a lack of evidence. So at this point, because the school has really made the changes that I guess kind of that's what I would have hoped for in the long run if it had gone through the process at Office for Civil Rights, that they did change it at least from the original so at this point, it might be kind of moot because they've already kind of corrected their violation of Title VI and Title IX. So at this point, once they get and look into it, then they might check back with me. And then I suppose at that point, I would maybe agree to withdraw the complaint because now they made changes to the um, extent that it probably wouldn't um, be a Title VI violation anymore if it went through the whole investigative process at the Office for Civil Rights. Now, Mark, you've made complaints in in other venues. Um, Have you had any go through uh, to fruition, and have they ruled uh, in your favor? Yeah, you know, I'm up to, you know, I do this every day, so it changes daily, but I'm up to 882 complaints for more than 2,000 violations of Title IX and Title VI at more than 800 colleges and universities mostly, but some K through 12 schools like like in this case and then about half of those a little more than half or a little less than half have been open for a federal investigation about over 400 complaints have been open for federal investigation where they send me a letter saying we found your uh, allegations to be credible enough we're going to investigate they notify the president or the chancellor of the university the highest ranking administrator and tell them that they're now under federal investigation and then usually the schools are pretty responsive to you know, admitting that they were in violation and then they make, you know, corrections, which would mean that they like in this case, they'd open um, a restricted class to everybody. If it was restrict, restricted based on race or sex, it's now open to all races and ethnicities and all both sexes. Um, and so I've had about 376 compl- investigations that have been resolved and closed. And most of those have been in my favor, not all, but I'd say, you know, three quarters or more of the investigations, they've ruled in my favor and they've required the university to either discontinue a program. Let's say it was a all girls summer STEM camp or something. They have to either discontinue it, open it up to everybody or offer an equivalent um, program 
for all boys if they have an all-girls program. So in most cases, the universities, if they want to keep the program going, they'll make changes to the eligibility to make it open to all races or all sexes and then continue, like in this case, where they're at least pretending that the programs are open to everybody or if it's a, it could be a scholarship or a fellowship or some kind of award. And then so in many cases, then I'm able to prevail once it goes through the investigative process and they rule generally in my favor. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. I mean, I, it's one that mystifies me as to the justification for this. I have texts coming in saying, well, it's all about being prejudiced, but that's not what this is about. This is about trying to get to an outcome as it relates to scores and, you know, whether or not the elimination of other ethnicities and races out of a classroom will help uh, the remaining race that remains in the class score better. Yeah, I mean, in the way that federal civil rights laws are written, they don't allow for, you know, if you have good intentions, you can violate the law. Or if you're discriminating in favor of the right groups for the right reasons, then it's okay. They don't allow for that. The Title IX and Title VI are very clear that you can't discriminate on the basis of race or sex. And in fact, you're not allowed to treat an individual differently from others in determining whether he or she satisfies any admission, enrollment, and so on. So you're not allowed to treat, treat students um, as differently from other individuals. So it's a clear violation of just this federal civil rights law. So if people are upset about it, then what they're really upset about is the way the Title uh, six and Title IX raw laws were written where they don't allow for exceptions. There right. is no form of good discrimination. It's all bad discrimination. And so your race or sex should neither help you nor hurt you. And that's the way the civil rights laws are written for, and they've been in place for 50, 60 years. And just by the breadth and depth of the number of cases that you filed, it seems as though there's a whole lot of people that are thinking along this line for whatever reason that it's going to work. It's mind-boggling to me. Well, and my original work was mostly on Title IX, all challenging all of the sex-based discrimination, so the the female-only scholarships, female-only awards, fellowships. But after George Floyd, then that kind of opened up a whole new area of discrimination where a lot of schools then introduced discriminatory scholarships. They'd even say the George Floyd Memorial Scholarship for black students only. That's a clear violation of Title VI. And so now a lot of the more recent complaints that I've filed, including like this one, have been for race-based discrimination, which is pretty you know, widespread and systematic throughout all of higher education. Yeah, interesting. We will be following your stories. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and your uh, insight and uh, great work on this topic. Thank you very much, Noel. Happy to be on your show. All right. That's Mark Perry. Uh, professor at the University of Michigan and senior fellow. Do not do no harm. We will be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.